Hey, welcome again to Mosaic Church. If I've not met you, I'd love to meet you. My name's Ben. I'm on staff here part-time, and uh, that part-timeness will increase in that my hours will reduce a little bit because I got a new job recently to replace my job. You don't even know what it is. So I've been working with Happy Family Humanity the last uh, almost two years. Part of this merging and wanting to keep staff on board is is going part-time and really exploring co-vocational models. So, uh, so I will experience no weekday flexibility as I do a social emotional learning coach at Mead Elementary starting a week from tomorrow. <laughs> um, so please pray for me, especially as I let go of that weekday flexibility again. I still want to be available and connect, whether early morning, Okay, the gym or like 4 30 p.m. on in the evening. So, can you come past you? Well, I mean, I'm trying to learn. Hey, a lot of us are trying to learn. Josh is asking, can I coach you all? Basically, we all can learn how to co regulate, okay? Uh, as parents with our kids, with one another. So, yes, we all need to learn that. Not even the sermon today, uh, but it's connected. Because I don't, I don't want to really uh, talk about the bramble of relationships. That is the church, but specifically the bramble of relationships that we hope Mosaic Church will increasingly become. Anyone remember what's what's a bramble? Quick definition. Who, who has it? But like a bush, yeah. Okay, yeah, like a prickly, scrambling vine or shrub. And according to uh, people, especially the black berries or other wild shrubs, we don't eat them. So Josh did a great job teaching on. John 15 last week, the vine connected to the vine dresser. And that's not just about individuals connecting to Jesus, the vine, but the whole mess of us connected to one another, drawing our source of life from the vine. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about this morning, the bramble of relationships. And so this is going to be an invitation to you. You hear my voice, whether you're online or here in person, or you might start thinking of people. Like, yes, they need to be a part of the ramble that is Mosaic Church that God is bringing up. And um, this is this is really exciting. So on one hand, it's, it's exciting because we have a fresh crack at vision as a church this fall to, to form up a community meetup, uh, these form groups, and just to really go after the vision relationships. It's also hard because a lot of us carry a lot of hurt and pain from relationships. Even specifically from church relationships, so I'm not going to have you all raise your hand, but I'll raise my hand. I've had a, I've had to go to all sorts of types of groups, all sorts of iterations. I've welcomed and said goodbye to so many people, and at the end of some of these groups that I've led with, with parents over the years, have welcomed and said goodbye to literally hundreds of people in this town in the last 20 years or so. And the people have left, but it's, it's not just sending them off because they need. So, the ramble of relationships is both exciting, but it's also kind of approaching with a little bit of uh, hesitation and trepidation. Some of these. If you're not there and you're just ready to jump on in, great. We need you. We need that fresh breath of air. Breath of fresh air. Someone said breath of energy. We definitely need spirit. So, uh, just as review, oh yeah. Jesus says in John 15, this is kind of the core passage for our two weeks here, I am the vine, Jesus says, you 
one of the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, in all y'all, plural, if all y'all remain in me and I remain in all y'all, all y'all will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So, yes, it's about connection to Christ. Like individually, we want to be fulfilled, we want to experience satisfaction and joy, but the purpose of our lives is much further beyond just us. It's about growing the flock, growing the bramble, offering life to others who are not a part of it. Yeah, connection. Now, before Jesus said this, early in his ministry, there's this passage in Matthew 9. Kind of gives his sort of the summary of, of what he was about and then his heart toward the people. Uh, so he says, it says in Matthew 9, Jesus went throughout all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. So he was about teaching uh, truths about himself and God, how to connect to God, but also doing good works. And so as a church, we want to unite people to the way of Jesus. So increasingly thinking like Jesus, but also doing the good works that Jesus began doing and now is doing even through us. And the verse, the passage goes on, when he saw the crowds, so think about Jesus, his, his uh, amazing attunement and presence, and all the things for regulation, I'm sure, with individuals he's interacting with. But yet he has the big picture view. He's so creative. Universe, God, Father, and so he sometimes steps back and looks at the crowds. So just imagine him looking across the crowds in the Middle East 2,000 plus years ago, and he still is looking at the crowds, right? You and I, and those of us, and those that we are the Lord God and our communities. Says he had compassion on them. He he felt it in his guts. The Greek word here is phlegma. Like a, it's one that it's kind of like a, I don't want to mix that up and feel the, the word sounds like what it is. He felt in his guts compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That description of the crowds is still true today, for sure. It's true of you and I, often at times, and it's true of those that we love in our neighborhood. Then he says to his disciples, the harvest here, you know, there's a lot of fruit that can be born and grow and produced. It's plentiful, but the worker goes to leave. So he went back and asked the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Let's pray briefly again. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for our church. Thank you for this group gathered here. Thank you for the guests that are here for our family. God, I pray that, that our heart would resonate increasingly with the heart of Christ, compassion on the ground to help us crowd, even if that's us at times, and you're so compassionate out here. Help us connect to the body so that we can look out and desire others to connect to the body. Pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Okay. I hope to get to a little workshopping with you all. So, introverts, we start early preparing. I will get a step up on name time, and of course, we can only talk about things. Um, but before we get there, we're just kind of geek out just a little bit on anthropology, um, uh, how humans work, how we function. A little thing uh, called Dunbar's number. 
Does anyone want to take a crack at reading the second Dunbar's number? Anyone know? Three. Yes. Yes, give it up for Emma back there. Dunbar's number uh, was first coined by Robert Dunbar, British evolutionary anthropologist, who was born in 1947. He's still alive. He's one of those rare people who has. Something named after him, he's still living. 150 people, Dunbar's number, the point beyond which members of any social group lose their ability to function effectively in social relationships. Okay, so there's some research on into this. There's a lot of debate around the number and all these things. And my purpose in sharing with you is to encourage you to be intentional in thinking about relationships, looking at this thing, how can you bring intentionality to your own increasing uh, rambles today. Um, and so he has found in his research that there's remarkable consistency around the number 150. Uh, so hunter-gatherer societies, offices, commons, factories, residential camp sites, military organizations, 11th century villages, Christmas parties. People tend to be able to handle about 150 relationships. Over that, Number the network is unlikely to last long or to appear very long. And so the thought is that human beings, we're human beings, you need to find or form quasi villages within our cities. Otherwise, you're going to get lost. You're going to get lost in the mix. And so you need that social support around you. And so some of Dunbar's uh, research kind of developed these sorts of layers of relationships. So the middle, you know, five loved ones, those that were closest to it, and then you spread out just a little from there, 15 good friends, maybe you're starting to think you're busy in that, who's in that circle, who is not in that circle, who would I like to be in that circle, uh, 50 friends, and not just Facebook friends, because it might have 150 out of those, um, 500 acquaintances, and then if we take one step out, 1,500 people that you can actually recognize. So sometimes when a Facebook algorithm starts thinking funny, I'm like, I'm your friend on Facebook, I don't recognize you. Because my brain can't handle all of those relationships. And uh, Dunbar found in other, other researchers after him that people can migrate in and out of these layers for sure, but things have to be carved out to allow that. You can't just grow your inner circle uh, exponentially and have to live with people in there. It's not just a rotate like that. This is, this is descriptive how we function, not prescriptive. It's like, well, Pastor David said I only have five folks. Hit number six, you're out. So this is a brand, this is a thick web, okay? Extroverts, as you might imagine, tend to widen and thin out relationships a little bit, while introverts tend to concentrate and thin. And believe it or not, women tend to have slightly more contacts within their closest So, I think part of the interpretation of that is men, especially the women, we need to look at the web, especially that 15 friends, five loved ones. So, this is Dunbar's. 
uh, research, just trying to get us thinking about how we're designed, how we're how we tend to function. It's interesting as you read through the New Testament, Jesus had some kind of not super clearly defined, but somewhat defined dimensions of relationships in his own ministry. So Jesus, you know, um, the God man who the one who condescended from the right hand of the Father to take on human flesh, he has capacity to love each and every one of us deeply. So we can all be in that inner circle, right? That's when he's, he's working with the Father on unity, unity with us. But his earthly ministry, he himself had three inner circles. If you remember, Peter, James, and John, sometimes they get to come along. And I don't know, is it did, did Jesus just enjoy them more? Did he want to cast more vision for them? Did he have plans for them in the early church? For whatever reason, it's pretty clear he had that inner circle. You know, as a father and the Holy Spirit, maybe about five, depending on our number. But we all have our problems too. Um, and I think Jesus himself, as a human, he needed those relationships. He needed that kind of relationship. I would argue that Jesus was introverted in the sense that he needed to get away and be alone to be recharged. Because that often was the Father and with these two personal. Then he has the 12 disciples, uh, kind of a later out. Uh, and passage after passage where he's intentionally uh, investing in the 12. He's very, very intentional about his ministry being the domestic faith, primarily training the 12 and then going to the cross, to the resurrected Lord, icing on the cake. So he's got that layer. If you stretch out just a little bit, there's a specific time where he interacts with and sends out the 72. Now, if we were going to truly geek out, we would have a big debate on is it 70 or 72. So that's for another another time. But the, the bottom line is he was intentional in a, a larger group of people to go out and take the gospel and reclaim the nations that had been lost. And so he was very intentional about this. Um, there's other statements in the New Testament where it says, you know, the others were his followers. So it wasn't just the inner circle, it wasn't just the twelve. There were these others that were a little bit outside of that circle, still very close. And then we read in Acts 1 15, it says, In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, and in Acts tells us specifically. This is a group numbering about 120. So that early church started with just 120 people. And then from there, it just grew like wildfire. And the challenge with the growth is now you've got to organize yourselves. That's where, that's where church uh, structure, leadership, all the things. Now you've got to start organizing so that human beings can function and flourish how we are designed in our institutions uh, into relationships that we can meaningfully engage with and learn. This is one of the challenges with technology, right? Is it makes you think that your capacity for relationships is much larger than it actually is. There's a big trade-off there. So we need to really think about technology and how we implement how we can actually um, enrich our relationships and not uh, thin them out. 
So, we have Jesus himself, kind of uh, this, this web of relationships, this realm of himself that he is, he is creating and he's rising and raising again and sends uh, what's the question? Ascends and then sends the church out to, to keep that ramble going. So let's think specifically how we unite people in the way of Jesus here at Mosaic Church through relational connections, through the ramble. And uh, I think when you used that word last week, it kind of resonated with me. And then I heard Sarah use it again a few times a week to ramble. So uh, I think it sounds kind of like a cool dance movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I eventually I'll wait for you to call it a ramble and start writing some cool music and stuff. Uh, cool vision for us there. Okay. So, how are we going to unite people in the way of Jesus? First of all, worship God. Sundays at 10 a.m. Awesome opportunity. This is our most public, kind of front facing, welcoming thing to give to people. Uh, people do this all the time. How'd you find us? Well, searching on, online, on Facebook, or a key relationship. This space, let's steward this time and space as best we can as a church. So that, that means for you, you know, get some sleep, get up. Ready to sing, ready to engage, ready to welcome others. That may require some prep time for, for some of you introverts, um, like myself as well. It's like, hey, I'm showing up in space. Now, we don't have near 120 members to be here, but we could quickly hit that Dunbar's number from uh, just word of mouth, just what we want online. This space can be that, that layer of agreement. And if you're thinking, okay, so I just found a little bit, you know, once a month, once a month, once a month, it's pretty consistent. Next, next step could be to serve on a team. Just it's a great opportunity to build a community. Like, I feel like the, the worship team community, uh, we, we lost some on our team, and, and now we're starting to fit in the relationships within the worship team itself. That's a great, great space for community to, to be done. So worship gatherings, we think of this as our, you know, 75 people. If we, if we hit 150 people consistently initially, now we're starting to think about, okay, what does another worship gathering look like for our church? What could we do today with this space to get us to go home to church or something like that? The next, I mean, we've already heard about it the last couple of weeks, and we've done it this summer. New group meetup. So Tuesdays from 6 to 7. With the avatar to follow, a great success. So imagine this over the summer we had probably 10 to 20 or so, and then we sent back to those tables. But imagine midweek meetup, it does not take much to grow. We've got 12 tables, and if you have five or six in each table, there's your 72 to fill this room. And if we need to take chairs down every Sunday, pull the tables out, do midweek meetup, Grow, that's going to be amazing. We'd love to see that happen. By the way, if Tuesdays is not working for you, but you want to be involved in the meetup, please let me know, and we'll try to put people together to do likely the same thing we're doing on Tuesday nights. We'd love to have you that. So this is actually, um, I'm going to, we're going to workshop this real quick. So I'm going to have Nikki Spell come up. Uh, you know, you know, yeah. Thank you. 
So, we, you don't have to do any prep. But so like Josh said, if you want to buy the book beforehand, great. If not, that's fine. And we're going to send out digitally the stuff we'll cover beforehand. So if you're like, I want to see what they're talking about, or I don't want to come yet, we will make that available to you. And this is how quickly the meetup goes. Hey, would anyone like to read from Spice Tom's book, What If Jesus Was Serious About the Church? And they say, I'll read. Do you see that? There are four different ways we use the word church in English. The word church in English. We can mean a building where religious activities occur. We can see the new church being built on Main Street. Second, it may refer to an event, like missed you at church last Sunday. Third, we use church when speaking of an institution with leaders, budgets, programs, and structures. How much did you donate to the church last year? Finally, the word church is used to identify a community. The women, men, and children redeemed by Christ living in unity with him and each other. The church helped us create a full time in our marriage. Which is the right definition? That's not really the best question. Depending on the context, any of these four definitions may be appropriate. The better question to ask is, how do the writers of the New Testament define this? This is exactly how this would go on. Anyone who has even read even portions of the New Testament probably realizes Never equated the church with a building or an event. As an unrecognized and illegal religion, there were no buildings dedicated to the worship of Jesus Christ until the fourth century, well after the New Testament was written. And while the early Christians did meet weekly for prayer, teaching, and encouragement, these events were not called church or rather were understood to be gatherings of the church. It's the other two definitions of church that we have much harder have a much harder time distinguishing. Contemporary Christians often confuse the complaint with institutional structures of the local church and the spiritual community of God's people. It's very possible to dedicate your time, treasure, and talents to an institution called the church, but never know the gleeful love, joy, hope, and support that comes when you unite with God's people. Likewise, organizational structures are important. We see these begin to take shape very early in the Testament, but confusing insurance with the structures designed to support it and means a very dangerous things. For example, the Bible, the Bible is clear that the Spirit of God dwells within and among the Christ people, not within institutional structures. People are the vessels of God's presence, not programs. When we lose sight of this truth, it becomes all too easy to devote ourselves to the perpetual perpetuation of particular ministry rather than to the people the ministry was intended to serve. Or we may come to believe God cares most about a certain structure and then see, see his people as instruments to maintain it when in fact it's precisely the opposite. God cares most about his people and the structure of ministry. The structures of ministry exist to serve them. <laughs> as useful and important as institutions are, we must not forget that they exist only to foster the incarnate human connections through which the work of God is ultimately accomplished. In our, in our highly systems-oriented Age, we need the discernment. Discernment is the right type of difference between serving the church, serving the church through an institution, and being able to serve it in the institution. I did not let you practice that because in real time, some of you may read.
for the chapter just like that. And then we say, hey, any thoughts? What, what are your thoughts on this chapter? Anyone want to share it as a reflection to you right now? Church is not a program. Right. Someone may say, yeah, programs are important for me, but they serve people, not the other way around. We want to have just some kind of thought just from this short section of this kind of time. The church is people, not the grace. Maybe one last thought or two. We need all the forms of the church. Yeah, so so the discussion might go like, well, maybe we should just let go of the lease, let go of all the things, and just be in home. And we can talk about that, okay? What's going to happen then? What if we don't have any leadership? So we need to, yeah, we need all the forms of the church. And we understand them well. So, guys ready for the after party? Thank you for the discussion. <laughs> That's a new lease meet up. We might end with. One more section and talk about that. So it's going to be good. So that's midweek meetup. And uh, one of the reasons we're excited for midweek meetup, this is our this is our version of groups in the closet. Because we understand childcare is really hard for individual groups to come up with. So we want to simplify childcare and provide uh, that here and then include our kids during our after party. So a big win for us is, is to have this space for wherever we can get parts so we can see those kids running around, even though the adults hanging out with families, individuals, all the things. That's what we want to have happen this fall. Yeah, next, form groups. So we need to form form groups. And uh, Josh uh, he is great, right? He coined it. So Josh came up with this. So it'll be sweet to have a book come out about form groups. The the church. So form groups. By the way, introverts, I'll just speak to you again. We understand it. This is how the morning goes, right? Preparing to turn and greet my neighbor. And then for us, it's about 10, 10 15. Actually, turn and greet my neighbor. And then the rest of the time is recovering. So when we share all these things, you know, you might think, People are really cool up introverts. All okay, a lot of us are. We can manage our energy. We can we can prep ourselves for these types of gatherings. We can make it through together. So form groups. Um, we've given a lot of thought to this. Uh, Josh and I, particularly, Josh and Arthur, Alicia, Sarah. We've given some significant thought to how we would like these form groups. To go and why. So these are groups of three to five. Three to five people. Not two people, not six people. Three to five people. And we'll tell you what to do with the sixth person. Form um, So just quick, geeking out this a little bit. This is from a, an article called Group Discussion at Interactive Dialogue or at Serial Monologue. The influence of group size by these three scholars. They say the experiments reported here, so we're looking at group dynamics and group sizes, show that in small five-person groups, the communication exists like dialogue, and members are influenced most by what is within their eyes. So it's pure discipleship. 
We are sharpening one another in the truth of Christ Jesus. However, in large groups, 10 persons or more, the communication is like, functions like a monologue, members are influenced by whoever is dominating the church. One of the challenges with small groups and churches when they have to work through this hard is that uh, people engage in working around. So we, we feel like uh, groups of three to five, this, this is going to be something that is really worth experimenting with. Josh said, friendship. We think many people are looking for deeper connection with others. And so we want to be that space where you can begin to have deeper friendships. You don't have to be besties with the form group, though. It's okay. This is just something we're inviting into. Organic. So we're organizing this organically, hoping that it is here inside the church. So reach out to us if you have interest in, if you're, if you're having a difficult time forming your own form group, and we might will be reaching out to you in the future and trying to connect people together. We want to help coach, we want to help set up, we want to help these types of interactions thrive. We want it to be very grounded and organic. The R, rhythms of grace. So grace-based spiritual practices can exist within these groups. So uh, sometimes the word accountability is overused, so we're not trying to bring harsh accountability like, hey, did you really try what we did that last week? No? Okay, sit this one out. This is this. And we're not doing that. <laughs> I've been in groups that do that. We say, get into the word. We don't talk, just listen. That's not what we're doing here. Grace-based, some of you are like, ah, Grace-based spiritual practice. So we want to draw upon our, for these grace-based spiritual practices, rhythms of grace. Our mosaic motives, which we talked about the transition last week, that recording is available online. Um, we want to draw upon our rule of life that we spoke so intimately in talking about in January that we'll be revisiting. And so these groups of three to five will be great spaces to uh, begin implementing rhythms of grace. And then the M, movement. Uh, you could think of the word multiply. Or mission. Uh, I, I like the, the word movement here with Joshua's idea that we're actually headed somewhere. This isn't just we meet, we have coffee, we have a beer or something, we just walk the park, we do that every week, and nothing changes. We want this to head somewhere. So, what movement and growth, we want to produce more of these form groups for others to experience in the future. So, what do you do? Say you have a group that's awesome. It started with three people. Friend hears about it. They jump in. That's four. And then all of a sudden, another one jumps in. That's five. And then someone else wanted to join the group because they heard it so amazing. What do you think you do when you have a sixth person in the group? Any guesses? Don't say split. <laughs> people don't like to split, but they like to multiply, right? Grow. This is the key to our form groups, and this will be the most difficult part. If it's going well, three to five people are having a great time. That sixth person coming in, like, man, our church is really encouraging us to multiply these groups. So now we have to say goodbye. We have to divide into two. But how cool would it be if Mosaic Church infiltrated our, our entire community with form groups? Able to see quite clear. We're in the same house. The word clouds are all over the place. Often it's the house 
only our liberation powers. You know, why can't we be honest? So we really want to go after the We have a little time. Talk about the format. So, because we're waiting acronyms right now. Uh, NDA. This is not a non disclosure agreement. <laughs> Although privacy will be important. <laughs> this is a slight rendition on DNA. So I encourage you to think of it as DNA. But as the groups go, we might click uh, discover, nurture, add. Like skip. So there's a little nurture relationship, and then discovery, and then action. So the format is, is, is highly malleable. We'll provide all sorts of ideas and kind of uh, suggestions and, and things to go after. So, this might be how this group could go. We meet together, we talk about at least an hour, we might have an hour and a half. Start out, what are you grateful for? And then we can find your story and we'll connect them. Oh man, you've got practical gratitude for the community. That, that, might, that might be it right there. Then discover. Um, so reading the passage, this is also a non-negotiable key in making this group is to have a passage of scripture that you read aloud. And there's all sorts of uh, other practices that can be incorporated, like writing this down by hand, and that's always so good to just pull that right out of your hand. And then talk about the passage. And then come up with an action step. How will you live out the way of Jesus in light of what we just So we have, we're going to take five minutes. Okay, I'm going to have Henry bring up the lights. Just one to bring up the lights. So I'm going to encourage you in five minutes' time. It's going to feel super rushed, or it's going to feel like this is taking forever because it's just more mature. So groups of three to five, and if a sixth person shows up, you know what to do. Goodbye. So three to five minutes, and here's your passage, Psalm 23, 1 to 4. And you don't have to go quick, so I'm going to encourage you to gather in groups of three to five, and then start with nurture. What are you thinking? And then quickly move to discover. Okay? Three, two, one. Go. You guys can do it. And then I'll call us back to the Lord's Okay, you can sit here quietly with us. He bends by himself. I'm leading the slides. He's not teaching. <laughs> what you think before you Do I know? I encourage you to move to the passage if you can. Move to the passage. 